Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome to Up Level Together podcast, place to up level in every aspect of your life, from personal development to mindset and spirituality to business tips and relationships building. We bring you best interviews, tools, and inspiration where one episode can change your whole life. Here's your host, Yasna Borza. Hello, my beautiful, beautiful people. I'm so excited for today's episode of Up Level Together. And especially excited because I bring you Michael Gelb. If you don't know who that is, you will want to check him out. And you will really, really, really want to hear what he has to say. Michael Gelb is the world's leading authority on the application of genius thinking to personal and organizational development. Uh, He's also the best-selling author of the book, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. So truly, this entire podcast is how do we apply the principles of Leonardo da Vinci and other geniuses into the you know into an everyday life how do you do it with your business with your everyday life i mean he's just an incredible human that's not the only thing that he's done he's the author of actually 14 books on creativity and innovation and that's just a side of the uh the the international bestseller how to think like leonardo da vinci and that book has been translated into 25 languages and has appeared on the Washington Post, Amazon, and the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, I can't say enough about the book. It's, um, this is the, the, such an important work, and to this day, such an important uh, principles um, in, in our everyday life. One of the things that I really took away from him was uh, the importance of, you know, the one life and you really have to curate your experience. And we talk, you know, at that uh, at length, we also talk about the struggles that entrepreneurs have and the principle of sfumato, which is ambiguity. And he really gets riled up about that. You will love that principle. He also talks about what you need to be carrying a black notebook with you everywhere you go. So just really, really brilliant and just really i'll put you on notice i have never laughed more in a podcast episode than i have in this one we laughed our butts off because he's just such has such a fun personality and so lighthearted. just absolutely loved him um you will you know you will fall in love with this man as much as i have from the first moment i met him in boston for a work hard play hard mastermind we immediately just connected on such a deep level and knew that we had to continue this conversation so i know that there are at least five or six instances that could completely and radically change your life so please tag me share it uh love it give him some love and let me know how you enjoyed the podcast so here we go michael i am so 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 excited thank you so much for being here so great to be with you so I have met you in Boston for a work hard, play hard mastermind, and you and your lovely wife made such an impact on me, and she is just a whole different light. But you especially have moved me in so many ways, and you came to talk to us about Leonardo da Vinci and the genius that he is. So your bestseller, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, is one of the most incredible books ever written. Tell us, how did you get involved with research of Leonardo da Vinci? Well, I was blessed to have a grandmother, my grandma Rosa, who was Italian and a painter, and also a wonderful 
cook. So I grew up with delicious homemade pasta and fabulous Italian food. And my grandmother told me about Leonardo da Vinci when I was a little boy. And he seemed like a superhero. Uh, I, as, a, as a boy, my other hero was Superman. But I, you know, I remember I discovered when, uh, Superman was just a comic book character, but it turned out that Leonardo da Vinci was real. So he always represented for me the fulfillment and the highest expression of all of our human potential. So I found my way into an unusual career path <laughs> where I was teaching people how to think creatively. I was, I was a coach before there was coaching. Uh, back in 1979, we put together this brochure about uh, executive and life coaching that I was doing for executives and people who just wanted to uh, develop their own business, become entrepreneurs. And it was before this whole was a big thing. Uh, and I got invited by lots of groups around the world to speak about creativity, about innovation, about leadership. And I would tell them stories about Leonardo da Vinci that I remembered from what my grandmother told me. And I had read his notebooks and learned more about him and been to Italy and seen some of his works, been to France, seen some of his other works live. And people really resonated with the stories about Leonardo. And as time went on, uh, I eventually had this great opportunity. Uh, I used to speak for this group, I still do, around the world uh, called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. And YPO uh, had invited me to do one of their premier events in Washington, D.C. to four or 500 company presidents. I was speaking about creativity and innovation. And the head of their big event that was upcoming in Florence, Italy, was present. And he came up to me after my talk and he said, if we were to invite you to Florence, what would you do? He said, we want something really special. So I just looked at him and I said, how about how to think like Leonardo da Vinci? <laughs> and he said, can you really do that? And I said, sure. <laughs> and what was great is I took this leap and this is a very tough audience. I mean, they're all company presidents. They pay a fortune to be at these events. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like you, they just get up and walk out. And they score you two out of 10. And if you get below an eight, you never get invited back. And if you get above a nine, you get invited to these great events all over the world. But I wasn't worried because Leonardo was this lifetime passion. And this was my chance to immerse myself more deeply in his consciousness. So I mean, I literally went to the place where he was born. I went to the place where he died. I walked his footsteps. I looked at the world from his point of view. I read the notebooks over and over again. I went to the museums where I could contemplate his works of art. And I started dreaming about him. Mm. And from those dreams, these seven principles emerged. And then I, I, I wrote a paper that summer about the seven principles, which I sent into the group in Florence uh, so that uh, uh, they had a handout. They always want a handout. 
And the funny thing is I also sent in my biography so they could introduce me. And I'm not kidding. The person who introduced me confused the two documents leading. <laughs> I swear the most amazing introduction I have ever received. It went like this, ladies and gentlemen, members and guests here at the young president's organization. We've had many extraordinary resources, but never have I had the privilege and pleasure of introducing someone with a resume like this anatomist, architect, botanist, city planner, designer, engineer, painter, sculptor, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Gell. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, of course, it, 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 the talk really resonated with them. And I just thought I should really turn this into a book. Mm -hmm. So then I spent the next four years refining it. And in, in 1998, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, Seven Steps to Genius Every Day, uh, made its debut. It was number one on Amazon in the whole world, not just in a category. This was not, you know, in the days when you just got your friends to buy the book on that day so you could say it's a bestseller. No, it was the real number one in all the whole world. It was on the New York Times bestseller list and, and people, it struck a chord that, that, uh, uh, Because I, I feel, you know, Leonardo speaks to us. Mm. And what you know, my inspiration was to ask the question, a very simple childlike question, which is, what's his message for us to enrich our own lives? Because previous works about him always focused on his art or his science, uh, what a genius he was, biographies, but I had this very simple question, but th there's lessons in here for us. How do we translate his example into our lives every day? And we know, you know, you know, the classic thing, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, that's just, that's true uh, physically, but it's also true virtually, mm. especially in the world today. So, you know, if you're spending your time with a, uh, uh, news people, <laughs> so-called news. That will affect. That will affect your mentality. That's, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So I spend my time with geniuses, with spiritual teachers, with uh, great athletes, mm. with wonderful uh, uh, people who are making a difference in the world, with healers, uh, with comedians because I like to laugh, uh, with uh, artists. Uh, Yes. I have a board of directors somewhere here. Let me see if I can get it, if I can find it. Hold on. I have to show this to you. You will, you will love this, Michael. So this is my, my board of directors, and you may recognize some of them. Oh, right. That's fabulous. So <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci is on it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh, that's, part of why I, that's part of why you are so magnificent which was obvious to me in this room of magnificent people where we were all together in Boston, you were shining like this very specially radiant star. I love you. It's just true. You genuinely embody the first principle of Leonardo and all the other principles, but your curiosita, your genuine passion to know, to learn, and, and to do so not just on the surface, but to go deep into what is the real heart of 
what is being shared. I, I felt that co- the energy coming from you, which is part of how we connected and why we're having this conversation today. I absolutely love it. So let, uh, thank you so much. Coming from you, I'm actually going to you know cut this out and listen to it <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> but let's go there. So the, Leonardo, how do you think like Leonardo da Vinci outlines the seven principles? And in interest of time, um, we will encourage everyone to absolutely read the book, but we want to cover a few. And the first one is Curiosita. Yes. I, I love it so much. And I feel like if we want to be successful in life and business and access that genius, it's a must. So describe and tell us what Curiosita is. Well, first of all, it, all these principles come from the real study of Leonardo and what he writes about in his notebooks. And his notebooks are filled with questions. He asks these childlike, open-minded questions. He literally writes in his notebook, why is the sky blue? Now, he then proceeds to answer the question. That (laughs) question inspires him to figure out Mm -hmm. how that actually happens. So this is our birthright. Every child is born wildly curious. Mm-hmm. They have incredible imagination. And they seem to have unlimited energy. But what happens is they go to school and they learn that answers are more important than questions. Yes. They're told not to use their imagination, but to think like everyone else. And then their energy starts to get weaker as the years go by. So whatever age you are, you can experience this personal renaissance. If you want more energy, you want to wake up your imagination. And if you want to wake up your imagination, there's no better way to do it than to figure out the questions that will most inspire your life. See, the questions we ask every day determine our perceptions. They determine the way we experience life. So you know, if we ask the question, what's bothering me today? We have a day where we're focused on everything that's bothering us. Mm -hmm. If we ask the question, what am I grateful for now in this moment? We immediately change our immune system. And we not only that we, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we change our perception and we start looking for the things for which we're grateful instead of for the things that are bothering or annoying us today. So that's just a simple example, uh, but it, 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 it applies across across the board. Most of the questions people ask are based, uh, so we we know that the brain is organized on three levels. Mm -hmm. Reptilian brain is our survival-oriented brain. The mammalian brain, our limbic system, is our social status orientation brain. And our neocortex, what people call the left and right hemisphere, that's our brain for altruism, for genius, for creativity, for self-expression, for higher order thinking. Most of the questions that people are asking every day are driven unconsciously and automatically by the reptilian brain. Mm. And, and we need that, you know, where's the bathroom? What's for lunch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I safe? Mm-hmm. You, know, you watch people get into an elevator and they all take their, their spot based on the spacing. This is now the limbic brain kicking in. The so, how do I fit socially and what's my turf? Then if you're in an elevator with seven people and five of them leave and it's just you and another person and you're in this side of the elevator, immediately one person walks to the 
other space because you your your reptilian and mammalian brains tell you this is more appropriate spacing for our survival and our social interaction. Wow. Right? Never Everybody, thought of it. Oh, this is what's happening. Most of people's so-called inner life is automatic pilot. And it's fine. It's, it's, if it's working, it's, for a lot of it, it's highly adaptive and it's really important. Uh, you, know, you sit down to lunch at a, or dinner with a group of people. The first thing everyone does, they do it unconsciously, they define their territory. They move their glasses around. They move their silverware around. <laughs> they set themselves up. They put their bag here. And they're saying, this just like, what's the difference between that and a reptile on a rock? <laughs> okay. So here's a question to ask is, how much of my behavior today is driven on a reptilian level? Mm. How much of my behavior is driven on a mammalian or limbic social level? So I'm checking out how do I fit in this group? What's my status? Uh, am I accepted? Mm -hmm. How do I get along here? And all that's fine. I'm not suggesting that you can't get you can't live life without these functions of the mind. Uh, but then, what if you ask the question, how could I how could I bring one percent more of my energy and ma imagination into the higher element of my brain? How could I be more uh, creative today? Mm. Uh, uh, what's a way of, what could I learn today that could, uh, that's something that I really, that's really new? What's something, what's something, what's some aspect of myself that if I asked the people closest to me, they'd most like me to modulate? <laughs> <laughs> so you really completely reframes our state of mind and how we right. look at that day. Just by the question. How, here's, here's one of my favorite questions that uh, I think I asked the group that night because I asked this to all my corporate groups and it just rocks people's world. It's the simplest question, but it is, how can I make my life more beautiful today? And how can I make the lives of the people I interact with more beautiful today? I love that. I love that. And that sticks with me. It's, it's really stay with me. Um, I have a candle up here because candles make me feel beautiful. And I wanted to create an incredible experience for talking to you. How lovely. So, yes. yes. Yep. So asking the right questions really completely refrains and actually creates direct results in our lives. Immediate. Immediate. Mm -hmm. Immediate. It changes the quality of your life because you can even feel it just from our conversation. You start to contemplate these questions and it stimulates your imagination mm -hmm. and it raises your energy level. Yes. And then you're engaged in life and you're happy and you're in the moment and you don't have to go to a mindfulness seminar because you're mindful. I, I love that. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to be, you know, one of the, we have to write our goals for, um, before we go to Monaco, what is one thing that I really want to do in our lives? So we're all of us. And one of the biggest ones of, uh, for me was I want to curate my life, which is exactly, these were your words. And I want to refine that. So the question is always, how can I today curate my life in a way that honors me and is of service to others? Hallelujah. Beautifully so formulated. That. <laughs> no, you did it. You, we did it together. That's the point is that's our conversation that we began when we met and you've 
this is what I meant. This is why I wasn't just, I'm not, I wasn't flattering you. I really mean this. You have, you, uh, you engage in this passionately curious, open way. And so you, you've taken this suggestion that I gave you and you've made it your own. And, and that's what learning is, is all about. And then you share it with other people. And that's, you know, to me, that's a big part of the purpose of my life is to bring, in this case, the, the genius of Leonardo so that he's touching our lives and bring, making them more beautiful and making the world a more beautiful place. And, you know, 500 years after he walk, walked the earth. I, I love that. And um, to add, one of the things that you said when you're talking about curiosity, I was always carry a notebook with you. Ask the question, but always carry a notebook with you. I think that was in curiosity. Right? Yes, it is. Always. So suggestions for people today, always carry this little black notebook and, and write your thoughts and ask the right questions so you, you don't forget it. Yes. And, and, and let's make it a little uh, even more inviting because you don't know what the right questions are. Mm. So just ask a lot of questions, <laughs> and, right? No, seriously. But then you're going to respond. What are the questions that in, most inspire your imagination, that most uplift your imagination uh, that, uh, and your energy that engage you most deeply? So there's an exercise in, in the book where we, we guide people to go deep into the question process. And then when they get through it, then they step back and then they look at the 10 most powerful questions that have emerged. And then they put those in, in an order, which you can always change. Uh, and then they, that, uh, that one exercise, that one exercise in the Curiosita chapter, I mean, the book came out 21 years ago. I still get notes from people they did that it, it changed the whole way they look at life people started whole new businesses based on the insight they got just from doing that exercise i used it for two of my businesses and i decided to withdraw from one completely based on that exercise so Brilliant. i'm telling you when i i am in love with this process cool. michael I, I love that one of the things that's a real sticking point with the people that i work with people who follow me and ask me questions is the, I don't know what I don't know, or I don't know what's going to happen. And Leonardo had something to say about that in the principle of sumato. Which yes, is, he sure did. Again, I even wrote in a poem that we did. I think I ended with sumato. That's right. The ambiguity. So would you please shed some light on how do we cope with ambiguity and what did Leonardo have to say about yes. it? Yes. So first let's uh, define the word sfumato. Uh, S-F-U-M-A-T-O. It's actually a term that was coined by art critics. It's, uh, it's an Italian word, sfumato. It, it sounds like fumes mm -hmm. in English. And the literal translation actually means going up in smoke. Mm -hmm. And what it refers to is the hazy, mysterious quality you see in Leonardo da Vinci's paintings. And that quality is something he did intentionally. Because he knew that when you, when you create this sense of mystery and depth, which you see, for example, in the Mona Lisa, mm -hmm. and then she has this mysterious smile. <laughs> and you're wondering, what, what is she smiling about? And is it a sneer or is it contentment? Is it, what is it? It's mysterious. And this is what great art does. It keeps us coming back. 500 years later, people are still discussing this. They're traveling, going out of their way to see it. 
So what it represents is maybe the most distinguishing characteristic of highly creative people, which is our ability to embrace the unknown, mm -hmm. to embrace uncertainty. And people, you know, people think, oh, that's a bad thing. I need to know, you know, we have this crazy notion that you should always have certainty and be definitive. And that's not creative. You're never going to do anything new if, you, if you're always doing the same thing you always did and you know just what's going to happen. No, it's new. It's challenging. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah, you know, we have such we, a need for certainty. Yeah, well, sorry. Give it up. <laughs> Let it go. And, you know, no, seriously, and, and look, I love you. People, I'd like to tell you there's a guarantee of success. You know, if you do everything in my books, it's not true. There is no guarantee of success, so give it up. We, we like, you know, well, I'll read the success principles and I'll do what all these high achievers say. Yeah, well, you can get hit by a brick tomorrow that falls off a building and you don't get to, you know. Now, so what you can do, what you can control, so here's the good news, here's the certainty. You can control your commitment to learning and optimizing from whatever life brings your way. Mm -hmm. And as you embrace that attitude, and if you have the kind of how can I make life more beautiful attitude, what can I learn from what's happening today, then you do build this reliable, uh, this, you know, this, is where, this is real self-confidence. It's knowing that I can't, there's stuff I can't control. If you, if you think, if you have the illusion, well, I'll create my own reality and I'll create all this process. You know, no, you might not. Stuff happens, it's out of your egoic control, I guarantee it. And the faster we release it, the, the more we can be adaptive. Mm -hmm. this, this, see, this is, in other words, if you're reacting to reality from your reptilian brain, the reptilian brain wants total certainty. Mm -hmm. This is my turf, don't even think about coming on, right? The mammalian brain wants total certainty. Uh, where do I fit on the pecking order? What is my status? Uh, am I okay? Uh, and all that's fine. Uh, it's, it's more fine when we have awareness of it so we're not completely run by it. Mm -hmm. Our fear of, un, uh, of uncertainty is driven by these survival anxieties. And there, you know, I have total compassion. I look, I experience all this myself. I'm not speaking from some tr transcendent higher place where, no, I'm telling you this from my own reality. I'm a very strong reptilian mammalian character. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've learned to cultivate this awareness and this noticing of how, what are my automatic responses? When, 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 are, when do things occur that aren't the way I thought I wanted them to be? Mm. Or how can, you know, and, and what's going to happen tomorrow or next year or five months from now? I mean, I'm, I'm like you, I'm always launching new ventures. I have a new book coming out in the fall. I have a video series we're putting together. I'm you know, offering all these things around the world, blah, blah, blah. How will they turn out? I don't know. You know I, I'm going to do my best to fill every course, to sell every book, to do every, But you don't control the result. 
I, I love that. So one of the things that, that I heard you say, you said this, how will you live your every day is how you live your life. So that without knowing the final outcome, that if you approach with joy and you stay present here now, you will have already been living a life you want to live. And it, you know, it's a, it's, this is the other part of sfumato, is it's the ability, creative minds, genius minds, are much more comfortable with paradox and uncertainty than pedestrian standard issue habitual minds. Okay. So, so when I when I, uh, for example, uh, my my new book, mm -hmm. uh, I just handed in the the final edits of the final everything yesterday. Oh my goodness! Okay. Congrats. Thank you. But I, you know, and, and now I'll tell you, I did it every, I made every deadline of the book, the initial submission, then you get the book edited, then you have to integrate the edits, then you hand it back in by another date, then you get the copy edits, then you get to respond to that by another day. So I've done, there, I'm focused on the goal at every stage. That's why I've achieved those goals. And believe me, I am focused on September 17th when the book comes out. I'm envisioning it and I'm seeing it, you know, on bestseller lists and I'm speaking on all the podcasts and NPR radio shows and blah, blah. Okay, great. You got it. And, and so all of that stuff that we learn in, you know, success 101, achievement 101 is all good to do. But you have to do it without attachment. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Upanishads write, I think, aparigraha, non-attachment. And they're not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Darn right? it, why is this so hard? No, it's not hard, but what's so great is, see, when you get this, it's so liberating because living your life with, you, you go out all out passion, with, with passion, but you want the passion to be a passion of joy and the creative expression mm -hmm. rather than the driven passion of fear of failure. And like, uh, if you're having to prove your self-worth by the results you get, you're going to be unhappy even if you get the result. Yeah. Because no external achievement will fulfill you. It will just make you hungry for more acclaim and more uh, external signs of I'm a good person. I have this car. I have this bank account. I have yeah, that stuff is great. Believe me, I'd rather have a nice car. I really like to have a big bank account. I live in a nice house, but they're, they are byproducts. They are an epiphenomenon of living one's life in a passionate, joyous, uh, manner, which is in relationship to the question we, we discussed. It's, it's how do I express myself, use my abilities and talents in a way that is most joyous, most fun, and can make the greatest positive difference for humanity. Mm. So how does one 
who is really struggling with this. I need to know. And I have so many clients who are like, I need to know exactly what this is going to look like. And you need to wrap it up in a bow. And I need to, and, and there's just this anxiety about it. How does one make love with sfumato? How does one Great, yes. really? Okay. Great. Now we'll get right to the essence of that. So I worked with this really wise therapist, teacher, guide for 20 years. Uh, I just went to his 100th birthday party last, last May 28th. And one of my you know, things, if you're ever invited to a 100th birthday party, always go because a few months later he passed away. Oh. But he's, you know, this guy, he, 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 he's on my board of geniuses. He's, his picture is right over here. And he said to me that the, that the greatest courage that people ever demonstrate is facing their anxiety directly. Hmm. I want to know more. Yeah, I'm going to talk. I'm, to, I'm just letting that sink in before I tell you more. Right? It's sinking in. Okay. Because can, in other words, can we learn to be present with our anxiety? Because usually anxiety is unpleasant. And so it makes people want to do something to not have to feel it. And sometimes they do dysfunctional things. They smoke or take drugs or drink or do some compulsive, obsessive, addictive behavior. Most of that kind of behavior is driven by not wanting to feel your anxiety. Now, if it's too hard to feel, because it is, it really, you know, it just it's that feeling and it's your, there's, here's how, you know, you wish it was and here's how it is and the gap. You're in the gap. Mm -hmm. And in the gap, you're suffering. You're just suffering, suffering, suffering. Uh, so then you try to do what you learn in self-help books and you try to say an affirmation or whatever, which is all your way still of trying to not feel what, what you really feel. So what if instead you just said, why don't I accept how I feel right now and just go into it and be present with it? Surrender. And in, in surrender to it. And let it be okay. It's, it's such a, it's a funny transformational thing. You, we all have the power to let it be okay that we don't feel okay. You don't have to feel perfect. You don't have to feel wonderful. You don't have to be zippity-doo-dah all the time. And, and, Paradoxically, by not always trying to have to be good, you're less likely to wind up being depressed. Because That's depression right, is yeah. when you, you just fail at being good. You fail at, I tried so hard to be what everybody wanted me to be, or what I always thought I should be. And I wanted it to be this way, and it isn't, and I'm a failure, so I have to try harder, I have to look better, I have to be nicer, I have, let, you know, that's all okay to, to, to be, but just now you're noticing it, and who you are isn't all this story and drama. I mean, I'd rather you have a nice story mm -hmm. and a successful drama. I'm working on, I try to have the most <laughs> fabulous, 
story I can have. And if you hang out with me and you're in my story, you're going to be drinking better wine. You're going to be <laughs> better food. You're going to be laughing at more jokes. We're going to be going to more beautiful places. So don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm engaged in creating the most beautiful story I can, mm -hmm. but you know what? One of my best friends got ill and I was incredibly lucky to be in the place where he lived. I was in Santa Fe a couple of weeks ago. I got to see him and four days later he was dead. And you know, this is a guy who's one of those powerful and smart people I know. And when I saw him, he looked 40 years older than the last time I saw him. Mm. He looked frail. And so, you know, I, that's, that's sad. That is sad. You know, and there's, so, you know, I feel really sad now talking about it. I felt really sad, but also really sweet because I was present with the feeling and I got to be with him. Uh, uh, and when I left him, I, you know, I looked him in the eye, not in some big, oh, you know, over, you know, encounter group way, but just, I looked at him like I'm looking at you right now and just see soul to soul. And I, I knew it might be the last time I saw him. And, it turns out that it was on this plane. Uh, so, you know, there's suffering and there's death and there's decay. And these are part of the cycle of life. So if you always want it to be youthful, if you always want it to be uh, happy-go-lucky, yeah, your anxiety is going to build through life. And wow. it's going to get worse and worse. On the other hand, if you're wallowing in misery and saying there, you know, there's so much suffering and, and you, you know, well, we can't enjoy this meal because people are starving over there or they're homeless. So, you know, I, I can't, if you're, you know, people are either ridden by guilt or they're crazed with denial of suffering. But what if you're, what if you're present with the way things are? as you do that, which is in your power to make the most of everything. Yes, and make and, it better or create change using those feelings that are transformative. Yeah, and, and, and but start, you, know, you can't really change profound change of yourself and anybody else does not take place without acceptance. That's full. Full acceptance. Right? 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 So mm -hmm. If I'm coaching you, if I'm helping you, uh, um, if that's my position, which, you know, people, I have people, I coach them, they come to me and they want to change. Well, that's great. That's, you know, that's kind of what they're paying for. Mm -hmm. They don't always like it when you tell them the reality is you have, you, we, we need to go to this place in ourselves first where we fully accept where we are. Cause otherwise your attempt to change is compulsive it's neurotic. It's driven by, and, and, and acceptance isn't wallowing. If we can learn this for ourselves first, just to accept things the way they are. And at the same time, then there's a natural evolution to how they will change creatively versus trying to superimpose our 
puny idea of how things are supposed to be. Do you think you know better than the universe? I don't think so. So learn to tune in to the, you know, the, the Tao. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I know you, you mentioned to me you want, we want to talk about what my favorite or most influential book is. There's yeah. lots of them, but one of them is the Tao Te Ching, the Lao Tzu classic. Is that You've got that up there, too. Okay. I have it right here. <laughs> <laughs> right? Perfect. So it, it, it's so true. You know, my, my tagline, it's so far, I, I love you so much because I feel like I, I've been saying you're exactly where you need to be, but you don't have to stay there. Um, because Beautiful. in the last Beautiful. five years, I was in a, in a form of stagnation at home raising kids and I'm like a race horse being held back. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to accept that and say, I'm here now. And I'm so glad I did because honestly, Michael, I made the most of it. And I think I gave my children mother who was present versus wanting to be elsewhere. So I can't, right. I know that this will make so much um, uh, impact on so many. We're running out of time. We're going to be talking forever and ever. <laughs> One of the things that I really want to talk to you about is we're in a culture of entrepreneurship and hustle and creating and everyone is so overwhelmed with these apps and technology and seminars yep. and masterminds. So part of me is um, I'm taking more and more time in my life to do forest debating. And yes. for your suggestion, Dr. Eva Selhub and going outside and take, saying these are my priorities, my family, my health, you know, meditation. And then everything else will fit into the rest of it. Um, but people struggle with that. They feel like they have to, they're always running, you know, after the clock. I would love your thoughts on, you know, whether a principle applies that is it, is it really true that if you take more time to just be, that those ideas that we need will get downloaded and we will do better because of it. Well, well the Dao De Ching says, be really whole and all things will come to you. <laughs> so, so now, of course, that doesn't mean you can just go off and do spiritual retreats all the time and somehow somebody's going to come and give you a million dollars or whatever. No, you, but have your day and your life organized around your inner truth and being and let life emerge from your soul from your core as opposed to and if you're not the curator of your life in the world we live in today you can guarantee you'll be distracted away from who you are and you may not even come back to it until you're on your deathbed or somebody gets run over by a truck or you get some serious disease. That's what happens to people. They say, oh, uh, uh, you know, I realized what was important. Well, don't wait till you get hit by a truck or get a stage four diagnosis yeah. to realize what's important because then you won't need to get hit by a truck or get a stage four diagnosis. True. If you wake up now, right? And, and so then, now how do you do that in this crazy world? We all need all the help we can get. So, yeah, but we all, no, we all do. I mean, I do. I, you know, why have I learned all this stuff? How have I learned to teach all this stuff? Because I, I need it. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I figured that out. I was high anxiety, 
you know, kind of crazed, driven, achievement maniac person from the time I was 20, you know, 20. So it's a long time ago. But I said, I'm going to take all that and focus it on how to, how to experience wholeness and joy in myself and bring that out in others. Mm. And so that's, you know, that's why I worked with my therapist for 20 years. That's why I studied meditation. I started studying meditation when I was 19. Wow. Uh, so I've been meditating for, that's a really long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I teach, I teach uh, uh, Qigong and Tai Chi. Now, why did I learn to teach this? Because to teach it, I really have to embody it. And I knew I could, my thing is always help others by helping myself, by what, something I've learned and incorporated. So I've learned, you know, I've really studied, like Tai Chi I've, and Qigong, I've studied with many of the greatest masters in the world, and I go really deep into them. And then I draw out what I think is the most useful, helpful thing. And then I integrate and create my own synthesis. And then I teach it to other people. And they say, oh my God, that's just an incredibly efficient way. You taught me this practice. I do it every day. It takes eight minutes. And I feel, uh, to use another terminology, all my chakras come into alignment. I love uh, that. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm focusing on what's the most efficient, effective uh, methodology for aligning the self. And we spend the time aligning the self and spending the time in the state of joy. So enjoying yes. the wine. By the time, by the way, you got me drunk that night. <laughs> 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 I rarely don't drink that much, but that port had me over. Port pushed you over the edge. Pushed huh? me over the edge. <laughs> but it was, it's really spending the time in, in that alignment throughout the day that that's when I have more access to getting stuff done. Was I hearing that correctly? Yeah, well, you'll do, first of all, this is wisdom. So operate from wisdom. Because then when you get stuff done, you won't be doing stuff that creates more problems. Hallelujah. Yes. yes. You want to do stuff that, that, that solves problems and prevents future problems. So when I make, you know, here's my mind map. Of, of what I, you know, my to-do mind map of the day. I make one every day. Over there is my mind map of my business and my main clients. Uh, uh, there's a, this is a, a mind map. I did this uh, uh, podcast, uh, not a podcast. I made a video for somebody called Genius 101. Here's my mind map of that. Uh, uh, my, so I have, we, should, we should just tell people that you have mind map. I, I have it by my nightstand. Oh, good. Um, I, and it's one of the things that um, I don't know if you know, Brandon actually did a video on it where his daughter, he was teaching his daughter how to do mind mapping. But that's, that's something that you teach and something that you really yes. incorporate every day in your life. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's, it's, and it's also, it's in the Da Vinci book too. It's in the Arte Shienja chapter. I put in step-by-step -step instructions so people can learn how to do this. Because people ask me, what's, if there's one technique one methodology for generating and organizing your ideas for improving your ability to do thinking, planning, and problem solving. It's mind mapping, which was originated by my dear friend, Tony Bizan. And I worked with him since 1975. 
wow. on, on applying it to teach people how to think like Leonardo da Vinci. It's, it's the methodology I've used for writing all my books. Uh, I love it. it. It's brilliant. So, Michael, does everyone have access to genius? Yes. Uh, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> my husband and I had this conversation because I was telling him that I was going to talk to you, and he said, I really believe some people are just born with it, and they're born to, with this mission or dharma. And I don't, he doesn't believe that everyone has access to genius. Well, he's got a point that it's clear that some people have more talent than other people. And some people seem to have a natural passion and a mission. You know, Mozart was downloading these great symphonies when he was five years old. Mm. Uh, I, I know a Nobel Prize winner in physics and he was doing advanced, complex mathematics when he was five years old. Wow. Uh, so it's clear that some people have gifts way beyond what most people have and a passion to explore that gift. So it doesn't mean that anybody can become Mozart or anybody can become this Nobel Prize winning physicist. Anybody can become fully who they are by incorporating the guidance of geniuses. And when geniuses tell you, here's how I did it, when Einstein says, I didn't you know, have any special ability, I just was really focused and, and I used my imagination in this way. And he says, and I kept a notebook. And Leonardo says, and I kept a notebook. And Thomas Edison says, when I kept a notebook. That's why you heard me tell you. Keep a notebook. <laughs> we should listen. You know, hello. <laughs> right. Yep, got it. <laughs> if just one genius told you, you might pay attention. But if they all say the same thing, and the other thing you mentioned, if they all say, spend time in nature every day. Mm -hmm. I go for a walk in nature every day. Is what I'm going to do after our, our conversation. We live right next to the woods. I, I walk for an hour. I shut off all my devices, I don't talk, and I walk. And for the first 20 minutes, my mind is going blah, 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 plans, you know, schemes, blah, blah, blah. After 20 minutes, it calms down. Yeah. And then uh, I'm just noticing the flow of the stream, and I'm listening to the birds, and I'm you know, noticing the way the wind is moving through the trees and now it's just the beginning of spring. So I'm watching each day as I go out, the more manifestations of the blossoms and the colors and, and the way life is emerging. Mm -hmm. And then as I get to the last 20 minutes of my walk, a couple of things happen. I, I tend usually to feel this overwhelming feeling of gratitude. Uh, I feel happier. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I some fabulous genius idea emerges and then I go back and I start executing it. <laughs> I, I love that. Keep a notebook, darn it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> right. And then go into nature and just disconnect because those are the steps really going back to the things that can help us access more of that genius or becoming who we are. Yes. But let's just reframe that. You, you're going to, disconnect from that which prevents you from really connecting. Yes. You're going to nature to connect, right? So we call being connected. That is not being connected. That's a device 
<laughs> with a purpose. No, I have mine right. Look, we live in this world, you know, but what I use this for, uh, uh, I carefully curate how I use it. And I have to keep upgrading my, my discipline of curation because it is addictive. It is. It is. It's calling, you know, it's calling me now. It's saying, look, look at me, colors, <laughs> lights, <laughs> images. That's right. a boom. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but let's get it other ways. <laughs> okay. No, that makes like fine wines that you enjoy or being in nature. I, I really get that. Okay. So um, is there anything else, one more thing that you would recommend besides that to have access to that genius? Uh, yes, it is humor. Oh, I love, I love the action. <laughs> I am dying to see you on that stage for TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> It's the it's the relationship of the aha and the ha ha. <laughs> it's the snow. It's the same part of your brain. When you get a joke, it's the same part of your brain that lights up when you solve a problem. Wow! Because what they call it, it the theory of humor is called incongruity theory. That what makes us laugh is you're expecting a certain outcome. Okay, so why did the chicken go to a séance? I don't know. To get to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny, right? It's, it's really funny, funny because the classic joke is that your mind, you know, if I said, why did the chicken cross the road? The, the oldest joke in the world is to get to the other side. Right. But then we say, why did it go to a seance? And it's a different kind of other side. We don't expect it. And therefore we go, ha, ha, ha. I love what's, it. Right. What's a creative idea? You're thinking, oh, I need to write this this way. And then you go for your walk in nature and you realize, oh, oh, I could do it in a whole other unexpected way. And it'd be so much more engaging. You say, aha. But now you know so that that doesn't escape you. You write it down in your notebook. Okay. It's kind of, I have, um, I always, I did not keep a notebook next to my nightstand. Now I do because of you, because okay. I do have, especially I wake up in between one and 3 a.m. Yep. And I have the most original ideas and in the morning they're gone. They're gone. So, no, you got to write them down. You got to write them down on the spot. Yeah. And by the way, let's just also say too, because I know not everybody has the freedom of time and, and the luxury to walk in the woods for an hour and they're not lucky enough. Like, so what if you don't live next to the woods? What if you have three kids and the job? and a husband and a, a parent who has Alzheimer's and other responsibilities. You can take one minute every hour, pause from whatever you're doing, align your spine, sit or stand, and bring your full attention to your breathing and feel the feeling of gratitude. And just be present with yourself. Even if you know, you're busy and you're crazy, let that be. Accept that that's the way it is. Give yourself one minute of self-acceptance and full presence every hour. And it'll utterly transform your life. You'll be way more resourceful in dealing with those kids, that job, that parent, and everything else. What a start, perfect, perfect Start where advice. you are, right? Start where you are. You may not be able to walk in the woods. You may not be able to drink fine wine, whatever other thing. I'd like you to be able to do that, but this is accessible to you without having to go somewhere or have something or do something. This is your being. 
It's I'm, available to all of us always, always. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's one of the biggest comebacks. So th this is so valuable. So Michael, in the interest of time, and I know the forest baiting is waiting for you. <laughs> really quickly, I don't want to deprive you of that. Um, really quickly, want to ask some quick questions. First thought that, that shows up. Uh, best book. Well, we said the Tao Te Ching. That's, my, that's the one now that I'm, I'm um, that's, yeah. That's the one. Life is. A mystery, a delight. Okay. My current struggle is. Is to give up struggling. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Having faith means. I don't believe in faith. You don't believe in faith? No, I don't. Tell me, now that I have to hear the answer. Okay, yeah, I believe in experience. Ah. I, I, don't, I don't believe in beliefs. Okay. I don't have beliefs. Uh, I, I look for evidence in experience. And, and this is one of the things I love to do when I, in seminars is give people, I guide people to have an experience of their genius, an experience of their creative power, an experience of their presence, an experience of their inner freedom, then you don't have to believe it. Good enough. Good enough. I, I, I'm going to have to listen to this multiple times. You know that, right? <laughs> uh, last one, best advice I was ever given. Well, besides the advice I already shared with you from Mort, who said, you know, feel your anxiety. That's the greatest, the greatest courage. Another, maybe the single greatest piece of advice I ever got was from my mother, who is a, a psychologist and brilliant. And when I was really young, she said, always use your anxiety creatively. Ooh. So if you combine you know, the advice I got from Mort, be present with it and, and have the courage to face it. And what my mother said is if you can't face it, use it creatively. So, so both reframes. So together, I would take those two pieces of advice. Those become, those have become, you know, my 16 books and other things that I've manifested because I've used it creatively while also learning to be present with it. I love that. Michael, <laughs> you are such a joy, truly such a joy. You have made such an impact on me. And I really believe that, um, that you're going to make an impact on so many people who are listening to this. So kind of we're creating a ripple effect and they will implement some of those things. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to give away three books of how to think like Leonardo oh, da Vinci. So when this goes live, if you're listening to this, please uh, grab a screenshot, tag Michael at Michael Gelb on Instagram and myself, and we will mail you three copies of the how to think like da vinci now michael you speak on some of the biggest stages on with uh, largest corporations you do workshops and seminars and you have a new book coming out how can we support you where can we find you tell us what do you need from us because we Thank have a, so a legion of, of yay! <laughs> yay, yay, yay. Uh, well the greatest thing first of all people can do Literally, the, the, nothing gives me more fulfillment and pleasure than when people do what you're doing and start to keep a notebook next to their bed and start to remember to pause and breathe and shift out of their automatic reptilian mammalian modality. So the greatest way 
that people can circulate the energy is by applying it. And now having said that, uh, you need to know what it is you're applying. So yes, uh, uh, How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci has sold 700,000 copies. It's in 25 languages. And yes, I have a goal. It's a million copies sold. That means we need 300,000 more before the end of the year. It's Leonardo's, it's the 500th anniversary of his life. So yes, please buy the book, buy it for your friends, give it as a gift to anybody you love who might ever want to be more creative. That would be the number one thing. That's our focus right now is get the Da Vinci message out in this year of his five, uh, 500th uh, celebration of his 500th year since he's been here. I'm going to up the ante. The person who purchases the most books and gives them away gets a free coaching session with me. Awesome. Wow. You're so cool. <laughs> and, and people can, uh, to answer your other question, obviously it's michaelgelb.com, G-E-L-B, michaelgelb.com. We have a free newsletter. We have lots of videos and podcasts and articles I've written that are all free on the site. So people can go to michaelgelb.com as well. Okay. Well, you are a joy and delight. We, I cannot thank you enough. I really believe that there are going to be people uh, who, whose lives will change after listening to this. There's, all, there's at least one nugget that will completely transform their life. And I think that that's everything. Thank you for your work. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, Michael. Ciao. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world. Please share with anyone that might find this useful and go ahead to all iTunes stations and please give us a five-star rating. So much love for you all. Please, please, please know that everything can be different. You're worthy. You're good enough. And let's up-level together.